The first quartet uh, is Bernd Norton, and if we're going to pursue the elements idea, then this is the quartet of air. Bernd Norton is probably the most abstract of the four, um, as it searches the nature of this life of ours within time. Uh, it was in 1934 that Eliot, uh, one summer, goes on holiday to Gloucestershire. He visits an uninhabited mansion uh, and he wanders around uh, its rather formal garden. The house was built on the site of an earlier country house that was burnt down 200 years before, uh, hence the name Burnt Norton. And of course, you instantly now get that uh, reference to a foundation that was here and isn't now. The passing of time, the foundations disappearing, the foundations being recovered. It opens with uh, a meditation on time, in which the word time appears seven times in just five lines. Time present and time past are both perhaps present in time future, and time future contained in time past. If all time is eternally present, all time is unredeemable. What might have been is an abstraction, remaining a perpetual possibility, only in a world of speculation. What might have been and what has been point to one end, which is always present. Well, you might be sitting there thinking, well, you've lost me already. Um, here, these words are spoken almost in a tone. Um, it reminds me of a teacher slowly writing down in chalk on the blackboard something you have to remember. Time present and time past are both perhaps present in time future. It does sound very abstract, philosophical, and yet, of course, it's of something we know well. Time does pass. We're only too um, aware of it. Uh, every day. Might it not be that the present and the past are not nothing? <laughs> That's the question here. Um, Christians can't believe that time simply evaporates everything. And so our memories tug at us. You know, we can say, oh, to be back there, I'd love to be back in Lanzarote. Um, the present calls us, you know, let's stay here in Lanzarote, let's not get back to awful Heathrow. Um, but redemption, and that interesting word is mentioned, of course, by Eliot early on, it sort of tips the scales, we know we're in a serious land now. Uh, to redeem means to get something back, to recover it, to get it back. It raises the stakes of all this. And the point here, I think, is that uh, if you are in time, only in time can you be redeemed, only can you recover what is essential uh, within time. So this is no airy-fairy uh, platonic philosophy where we try and run away from our time-ridden natures. Uh, if something has to change, if something has to be recovered, then you need time to do it. So redemption within time. And this, of course, fits in with Eliot's um, uh, 
Anglo-Catholic uh, Christianity, his sacramental understanding, his uh, uh, wanting to embrace the fleshly, the time-ridden, and not uh, seek to run away from it in some sort of sublime hot air balloon of faith. This is about time and our redemption within it. Um, when it says the end, uh, when it talks about the end, point to one end, we tend to think that that means you know, a dead end, death, everything points to the, to the dead end. But of course, um, with his Greek and his understanding of philosophy, end can also be the Greek telos, the end point, the, the purpose, the destiny. So when he talks about in my end is my beginning, or in my beginning is my end. Uh, we're not just to think of dead ends, but you know, in my beginning is my, my eternal destiny, my purpose. Um, and, and so end, again, has these uh, different resonances. If there is nothing but the moment now, then there's nothing you can do about it, it says, really. All time's unredeemable. If, if we can only grasp the present, well, you've had it because we can't recover anything. Um, it is the purpose, the fruition of things that, that uh, Eliot is constantly pointing us to uh, in that word end. The fruition is always here. In this moment, here and now, the whole meaning of things is gathered Everything that has been undergirds this moment. Everything that will be proceeds from it. Nothing is lost. Time constitutes a pattern that is unfolding. And with this extreme understatement, and you know, do always watch out for his understatements because they're usually exactly the opposite, he draws us right from the beginning into this vision of his uh, and of faith that... Uh, time present and time past uh, are both perhaps present in time future and time future contained in time past. If all time is eternally present, all time is unredeemable. So from here on, he has to now work these notions of time and memory for all their worth. Uh, and then we're taken into a garden a rose garden. Roses occur a lot in this poem, symbolising, if we want to use that word, being cases in point, uh, but certainly pointing us to all the things that roses do, love, um, purity, uh, beauty, uh, and so on. But they often are tied up with, uh, as they are here, the first garden as it were the first world he calls it our first world is that is that eden or is it our childhood but we find ourselves in this rose garden and in this uh, garden eliot or the speaker starts to talk about an experience where he looks down he says into the drained pool dry the pool dry concrete brown edged and the pool was filled with water out of sunlight, and the lotus rose quietly, quietly. The surface glittered out of heart of light, 
and they were behind us, reflected in the pool. Then a cloud passed, and the pool was empty. Go, said the bird, for the leaves were full of children, hidden excitedly, containing laughter. Go, 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 said the bird. Humankind cannot bear very much reality. Time past and time future, what might have been and what has been, point to one end, which is always present. This seems to be a, what we might call a spiritual experience, a, an intense apprehension of, of a, a significant moment, this looking into the pool. We know that the pool at uh, Burnt Norton uh, was rumoured to have been filled in at one point because uh, a child had been uh, drowned in it. But this, uh, this seems to be an experience of, uh, of the sublime, of the real, uh, but it doesn't last. It's uh, this moment of water out of sunlight, the lotus which causes the flower of contemplation, of piety, quietly, quietly. The surface glittered. You know, we're so often in the surface world, but now in this experience, the beauty of the surface glitters. Out of heart of light. This is a phrase that Eliot was to use to um, give voice to his conversion, that he perceived the heart of light. Uh, but then the cloud, the clouds which both um, hide and darken experience and our world, but also, of course, in the spiritual traditions, often are the place where light and insight come, uh, Moses uh, speaking to God in the cloud and so on. Um, we're told to go, go, said the bird, go. Humankind cannot bear very much reality. It's as, all, it's as though we can't have these experiences for long because they would overwhelm us or finish us. Uh, we can't bear this much reality. So we have these, what he's later to call, the hints and guesses, the uh, attended moments, as it were, but then it finishes time past and time future, what might have been and what has been point to one end. There's that word again, which is always present. The, the end, the, the telos. This could, of course, be the divine uh, end uh, who is always present. But, of course, we don't always see that only in these occasional moments when the surfaces glitter and the heart of light seems to uh, uh, come like sunlight into our situation, do we actually uh, understand what's in our midst? 